Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald. It's Friday, December 11th, and it is an absolutely stunning day here in Tampa, Florida. Uh, this is why we all moved to Florida and, and why we try not to tell anybody about it, but I think I just did. <laughs> Uh, I am so excited about the topic that we have today because this is so near and dear to my heart. Uh, The name of the book that we're going to be talking about today is called I Like Giving, The Transformative Power of a Generous Life. And Brad, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your last name, but I'm going to give it a try. Formsma? Perfect. Ah, Yahoo. Okay, so let me let me do that again. So our author and guest today is Brad Formsma. And Brad, why don't you start off, uh, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> and I would love for you to just tell us about you. You know, we'll jump in and talk about the book in a minute, but our listeners always love to hear your story. Well, First of all, you know, you don't have a monopoly on nice weather in Tampa. I'm I'm here in Newport Beach, California and it's, oh. <laughs> it's working. There you it's go. It's okay here as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, but everybody yeah. knows about California. Florida Florida is one of those places they just think that that we're uh, we're a Disney place and and uh, beaches to come on vacation. They don't really think about living here. Oh, that's good. Tell, uh, so you'd like me to talk about me? Well, I, you know, I am uh, 45, uh, been married 22 years, and I have three awesome kids, two boys and a girl from 17 down to nine. And my background really was a business guy for 17 years in a little town called Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, I started getting this uh, – this nudge to want to be able to talk more about generosity. And so there's some events that uh, took place that we might get to today that, that led me into that, uh, into that world and uh, in quite a big way. Well, and I'm I'm interested because, you know, you said you did spend time, uh, you know, in corporate life and most of our listeners uh, are either executives in corporations or they are entrepreneurs. We've got a a fair number of those. And we've got some people who are what I like to call in-between successes. And and so I'm interested in whether the companies that you worked for spurred any of that generosity or or was it your parents um, that laid that foundation for you or or was it a concept that just hit you in the face later Uh in life? So my grandfather was a uh, successful business guy, and I would tag along with him on Saturday mornings. I was trying to escape from our house, okay, because we had five kids. Uh, My parents did. I was the oldest of five. And then when I was 10, mom came home with this little picture, and it it showed two little baby heads. And so she was going to have twins, and our whole family just changed. Well, I was looking for a way out because I, I didn't want to change diapers, which I was doing at 10 and a half years old just to help make things go together. And so being around Grandpa, I started to see him model generosity in, in financial ways, but in also ways that he used words and his time and his influence. And um, he shared his stuff, Okay. And so that just that early observation of that, which is very important as we have a, 
further conversation today, it's very important for people to realize that when young people observe generosity when they're young, they have a high likelihood of living a lifetime of being generous. It's a really big deal. It's a caught kind of a thing. It's not a, a real, you know, preach at you or, you know, turn it into a you have to kind of a deal. Right. So it's right. really significant, really significant. And then from there, as I started my own business, I didn't work for anybody else. I had my own company for 17 years. I always was trying to do things using our company to be generous in ways through the trade that we were in and telling our employees what we were doing but not having it come out of their check, just letting them know that, you know, we were there for a bigger reason than just ourselves. And so that was really how we did it. And then one day I won an award in our business, and this uh, business publication came to me, and they did an interview, and they said, you know, if you could have your dream job, right? Isn't that a classic question? What's your dream job if money were no object? And I said, oh, I'd love to encourage people in their giving. And um, I just believe this idea that it's better to give than receive. And so they printed that up, and, you know, and it was like that. those words went out and, and became reality. And within a year, I had sold the company. Um, and, and I had sold it in a way that it wasn't like I had lifetime riches and I could just go do something fun. Uh, I really walked away from a, a good business at the time to be able to, to head out into the world to inspire more people to live generously. Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting that you talk about, about your grandfather. I am the daughter of a, a man who was both a minister and had been a a uh, missionary in Portugal with my mother and he was born the son of a missionary in Brazil and my mother was the daughter of a missionary in of all places North Korea and and so I saw the very natural giving of self that was part of their vocation right i mean it wasn't like they had to think about it or or even teach it as a concept it was just what they did and you know we're we're in such a different world now i mean i look at my own kids and i've been an entrepreneur for 20 years so uh you and i have a lot of lot in common on that front and i have a 17 year old as my oldest Uh, my youngest uh, happens to be 15, and we adopted him from Russia. And, you know, it's funny because people will always say to me, oh, you did such a wonderful thing. And I, and I actually feel a little bit guilty because we didn't really do it as a giving thing to him. I mean, we knew that that would be a natural benefit, but we didn't want our daughter to be an only child, kind of the, the opposite of you wanting to get, get away from the kids, right? So we had a five-year-old daughter at the time. We adopted a three-year-old son, and, and it was really for her. It was a gift for her, I guess. Yes, I mean, so we were giving in one sense, but not in the way that, you know, people traditionally thought that we were. But, uh, you know, it definitely was foundational to us. And then, you know, what I wanted to say about that is that, um, you know, I've been very, very blessed and, and our business has been, you know, both wildly successful and we've had spectacular failures as well over the course of the last 20 years. But my kids have grown up. Um, you know, driving down the road and seeing the homeless person on the side of the road and, you know, just naturally kind of scrounging for, you know, do we do we have something to give to them? And sometimes we did and sometimes we didn't. But, you know, it wasn't like that when I was growing up in Greenfield, Indiana. I got to tell you, we didn't have homeless people on the side of the road. So so giving, you know, ha- has just kind of a whole new light today. So why don't we just jump right into the book? And, you know, I love the fact that Dave Ramsey was one of the ones who uh, – 
you know, who lent his uh, personality to your book. And, and on the front cover, it says, I like giving will light you up on a generosity dial. And, and I love thinking about having a generosity dial. So let's just jump right in if, if you don't mind. But tell me what got you to write the book. Because I, I know you, you started off on this journey of wanting uh, you know, to impart this generosity. But when did the book come into play? So let me back up just a little bit. In 2008, I went down and and got our newspaper Sunday morning, Memorial Day weekend, and I'm reading this uh, newspaper and and right on the front page, this story of a Sudanese father and son uh, about how they came to America with clothes on their backs and people gave them some bikes. It was the dad's mode of transportation to work. And and I'm reading the story, and it, and it went on to say that their bikes were stolen by some thugs. And so there was just kind of this big setback for them after having been firebombed out of their village and lost some friends and lost some relatives in the in the war that was going on. And this story just was like, it got me. And so we pulled our family together. At the time, you know, the kids were quite a bit younger, uh, 10 years and under, and I read this story, and I said, what should we do? And my 10-year-old said, we got to go get them bikes. And I'm like, you're right. We got to go get them bikes. And so we took our Sunday, and, you know, I, I'm sure people listening are like, yeah, I married someone that's opposite of me. Well, that's true for me, too. And, you know, she had the day planned, and I'm the idea guy. And so, hey, but the kids, it was their idea, right? And so we had to change our whole Sunday plan. But we went and bought bikes. And we tracked these people down and spent the better part of an afternoon on a Sunday looking for them. And we finally got a hold of them and and went to their home. And when we did, all the dad could say was, I like bike, I like bike, I like bike. And that was it because of the language barrier. And so we left and we're like, okay, great, you like bikes. And we're driving home and my wife said, you know, I kept hearing this other voice in my head. There's going to be hundreds of bikes in the front yard. Many, many people got this newspaper and you're right. just wasting your time. And she said there weren't any bikes there. And she said it was almost like we had an opportunity and a little assignment for us to do. Well, as I would tell that story, just like I did to you, I had more and more people come to me. And they began to share their own I like story. They'd say, remember the I like bike story? Uh, I like Taco Bell. And they'd say, I like cavities. What do you mean you like cavities? Well, I was at the (laughs) dentist's office, and I overheard this single mom say, I I can't pay the $926 bill. And this guy said, I just kept hearing I like bike. And so I got up and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry for eavesdropping. Um, Can I pay for that? And he he handed his credit card to the cashier, and he just watched this lady, you know, weep and also feel the relief of having a burden lifted. And he said, you know, if you wouldn't have told me that bike story, I might have not had the courage to step out and do something different than I normally do. And it was so rewarding. Thank you for that story. And so to answer your question about the book, we ended up starting a nonprofit organization called I Like Giving, where we took some stories and we captured them on film, really high quality. We even did one called I Like Adoption, which has been viewed 7 million times. Wow. And the, and the website was set up to show some short inspirational giving stories 
but also as a place for people around the world to tell their own I like story. Well, enough of that started to happen, and you guess it, a publisher called me and said, hey, you should write a book. And the funny thing is, is that when we went to meet with him, I said to my wife, and she went with me, I, we sat at the meeting, and I said, no, I'm not your guy. I cheated in high school English. I could possibly not write a book. There's no way. They said, no, 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 you have all these great stories. You've got to write a book. And so we said, well, if we can tell stories from all different walks of life and from all different perspectives, including money, but not always including money, and certainly from giving and receiving perspective, young and old, then we'll do it. And so that's what happened. And uh, in fact, this year it was voted one of the top inspirational books of 2015. And uh, here we are. Wow. So what I want to do, and and this won't necessarily be in order of how the book is laid out, I'd really like for you to talk about the scientific benefits of giving. Uh, because there are, and, and, and we have talked about this on, I've got another show that we do um, about giving back and, you know, have interviewed lots of corporations who have seen the financial benefits of giving, right? Because it's counterintuitive that if you give away sure. your profits, you're actually more profitable, but that's true. But what about, what about us? What about our bodies? Were, were we made to give or is it, uh, again, counter uh, to what what goes on inside of us of that that uh, mind 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 that we have when we're young. Yeah, well, you know, my faith perspective is that hey, we're created in God's image, and so to me, He's a giver. And I, you know, some people could look at that from their own faith perspective. That's fine, uh, but the reality of it is is that when I I I feel like I need to give more than the other person or the other people often need to receive. I know what happens to my heart. I know what happens to this outward focus for me when I do for other people. Now, what's interesting on the science side is you live longer, you're happier, you have more friends, you take half the medicine, and, you you know, that's just scratching the surface. You have a better relationship, you have a better outlook on life, and you know, I've never met a bitter, angry, generous person. So I would say, well, something seems to be working there. Right. You know, I, um, I also know biologically what happens is that our bodies have a chemical production of oxytocin. There's an endorphin kick. And those are all things that are they're good for us. Right. And what I find is that I it seems like it's far more sustainable when I go out and give and do something for someone else. You know, the other day I was at an airport and I and I was finishing up and uh, washing my hands. There's this man cleaning and it was a it was a beautifully clean bathroom, which as you know, traveling that's the most. <laughs> and I just got this nudge as I talk about in the book. You know, just give him twenty dollars, but more importantly, compliment him for his work. And so. I caught up with him, and, and I said, sir, I just want to thank you. He was uh, of Jamaican descent, and I said, sir, I just thank you for cleaning that bathroom. It was so nice, and this is for you. And as, as we then shook hands, he said, my name is Conrad. And I said, oh, I'm Brad. I noticed that the patch on his uniform was blank. 
And I said, Conrad, I just want you to know, if you worked for me, your name would be on that patch because you matter. I think you're a good man. And the tears began to flow. Mm. He was so grateful for, far beyond the monetary, the words. I walked away like my feet weren't touching the ground. So you say scientifically what happened there. I could care less my flight was delayed. In fact, I sat down at the coffee shop and my wife said, what happened to you? You're glowing. I said, <laughs> I just, I just wait. I'll tell you in a second. I just met this neat guy. And so I feel like there's something significant for me uh, when we just look at even those basic things of like, well, I'm on this earth. I can do things for other people. And, I, yeah, I do believe we were created to do for other people. Well, it's interesting that you talk about, uh, you know, the difference between giving and receiving. Because receiving, for some people, is actually really, really hard. And one of the books that has had uh, the greatest impact on me and my business is a book called The Go-Giver. And I don't know if you've ever encountered it. but Yeah, I uh, have. You know, as opposed to the concept of, of you know, being a go-getter, right, a go-giver um, uses giving a, as a part of how they do business. Uh, but I, the one chapter that I always remember, uh, you know, whenever I'm talking to Bob Berg, who was one of the co-authors, is when he mentioned the story about, um, you know, when someone wanted to give him a pen, that he, he had just commented on what a beautiful pen it was. And the person immediately, without question, said, here, it's yours. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not why I said I liked it. But, but they needed to give it to him. And he was having a great deal of difficulty. But the story he to- tells in that book is that what would happen – if the tide only went out and never came in, or if our breath only went out and we never inhaled. And and so we really do need to think about the fact that sometimes God's working on the person on the other side of learning how to receive, right? Totally. And it's not just that they need what we have to say, but sometimes, and, and there was a comment on, on Amazon that I loved about someone saying that giving can be messy, Right. <laughs> I wrote about that. Are you kidding? Yes, I know. It can be. Oh my word. So, so talk to us a little bit. Um, you know, you, you start the book off talking about the power of one gift, and you know, there was a story yeah. about uh, a Thanksgiving turkey, and you know, we've just come off of Thanksgiving, and and my family went down on something that we call uh, second. Uh, Saturday at our church, and tomorrow is the the second Saturday again, and so we're going down uh, in Tampa here to Metropolitan Ministries and and probably sorting out canned goods or or whatever, but when I woke up my family that day to do that thing, right, we had been at a football game late the night before, and, you know, without uh, exception, all three of them, my two kids and my husband, were like, do we have to, right, but when we got home, everybody was jazzed. And so tomorrow morning, they're like, well, are we going tomorrow? It's like, yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> so talk to us about that, that, that giving and talk to us about the, the, the turkey and the, the power of one gift. Okay, so um, I heard you say messy. Did you want me to speak to that? Yeah, that yeah. Man? I mean, again, let's take it in the order that, 
that, uh, yeah, let's talk about being messy first. Okay. So, you know, this idea that every time we give, it works out perfect or, you know, there aren't twists and turns in it. It it reminds me of a time that I was in this uh, little Bible study with this guy who is uh, from uh, Nigeria, and his name is William. And we were finishing up, and and I said, William, what are you what are you thinking about? What are you dreaming for? And he said, I I just want a van. I want to be able to move my family of six, and I want to be able to go and help at this jail, which is thirty minutes away, and and share my story and teach what I teach. And so, I, that just hit me. And so I got a few people together, and we got him a used van. Okay, and we brought it. I brought it to him, and we got the first year of insurance covered, and he was so excited, delighted. We dropped it off at his house, and about a month went by. I didn't hear from him, and so I called him. I said, William, how's it going? How's the jail? Are you? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm not driving the van. And I said, oh, no, you know, is it not working? What? No, I, uh, I don't have a license. I'm like, William, are you I would have thought I didn't. I didn't know I should ask about a license, and so he said, "I they keep failing me." I said, "What in the world?" As we learn more, he was going to a third-party license testing company because of his language barrier, and he's making minimum wage cleaning a public museum, and he's living off of nothing. And there were some crooked people at this third-party place, and they kept failing him and taking his money. And so I ended up going down there with him and, you know, got to the bottom of it. And, of course, the guy says something like, well, you know, for X dollars, he can get this training package and this one test, and he'll be guaranteed to, to pass it. And I remember sliding my credit card you know, paying this dumb tax, but realizing it was, the, you know, the right thing to do to help him get his license. And and I look back on that story and I realized that I needed to be an advocate for him after I got the van. But it, it's a reminder to me of the things that I take for granted as someone who lives in America and someone that can speak English and someone that, you know, has a few resources. And I, that was messy. I mean, it took a lot of time. It was inconvenient. I, I didn't like how my friend was being taken advantage of. But after it was all said and done, I thought, it's not about me. And uh, I'm glad I could help. But it wasn't clean, was it? No, not at all. Not at all. So... Let's uh, circle back to to the story about the Thanksgiving dinner because th- this one is, is very very interesting because you're you're talking uh, about this woman, um, you know, who is a single mom and and uh, she's got a three year old and she's eight months pregnant and you know just barely has enough to eat. So so tell us that story. Well, Tracy is uh, a young mom and she's working in a. Um, you know, a couple of jobs trying to put it all together and she's living in a lower income housing complex. And she realizes the day before Thanksgiving, uh, this is not going to be one of those big traditional Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, I just don't have any money to put that together. And so she goes down and gets the canned goods and some of the basic things that you get free at the, at the food pantry. And 
The next morning, Thanksgiving, she wakes up, and, and there's a tap on the door. And she opens the door, and it was a local restaurant man making a delivery, and it was the full spread, the turkey, the dressing, all the things that you would envision. And he came in, and he put it down, and he said, Happy Thanksgiving. And she's trying to figure out who did this, whatever, and he, and he leaves. And she's just overwhelmed. She's The tears are flowing, and all day she's just got this extra, extra level of gratitude. And she decides that day, you know, I'm going to start living generously right here, right now, today with what I have. See, I I believe that we all can start living generously or continue to live generously today. It's not about getting somewhere and then, oh, when I have this, then I'll start giving. Today, we all have something to give. And so she makes that decision and time goes on. Now things get better in her life and uh, the kids are growing up. She's now a nurse, and she's taking care of this elderly patient who has dementia, who's actually um, in the very last stages of her life. And uh, they get to know each other a little bit. Name's Margot. And on the last day, there was a change where, you know, Tracy wasn't going to be a nurse anymore. And they were saying their goodbyes, and Margot reaches out that frail hand and touches Tracy's and says, Happy Thanksgiving. And it's at that moment Tracy realizes all those years ago it was Margot who lived in that same complex. Wow. Who sent her the dinner. And so I talk about the power of one gift because that one gift has rippled out into Tracy's life. Now her children live generously. Tracy does all sorts of different ways that she's generous throughout the year and that is the power of one story the power of one gift and so I always encourage people to take the courage say out loud I want to experience the joy of giving I want to see it I want to hear better I want to look for those opportunities and help me identify them and when I do help me step into it Uh, I love it at the end of that chapter where you talk about the fact that she's actually hooked on giving now and and not doing it to make herself look good, but just because it makes her feel more alive. That's right. And the other thing that we've really developed at I Like Giving, we started telling these short stories, and then it moved. So what happened was we moved beyond telling short giving stories or uh, doing them on film to actually helping pastors talk about the thing they don't like to talk about. So we bring them this broader conversation and teaching on generosity, and they love it. They tell us that we've revived something in their life. It's a hard thing for many pastors to talk about. There's a whole other element of our organization where we work with large companies about bringing the culture of generosity into their company. And we're very careful with polarizing words in the faith space. But the fact is, if you have a generous company, if you're, you're going to see and experience workplace benefits. And so we're looking, we're constantly looking for generous leaders that we can come along and help bring the power of story into their organizations to make them even more generous. So there's just great things that are happening in the marketplace because people really resonate with a story. A story doesn't 
be prescriptive. The story just affects right. the left and right brain person the same way. And there's great business results that come from it. Well, you know, it's so funny that you would mention that, Brad. I I have um each each time I have formed a company and, and I've had my consulting firm for twenty years and then I had a technology firm that I formed about seven years ago and raised a bunch of money, and and so it was uh, actually uh, majority owned by my partner. And you know, I wanted to institute a formal giving policy, you know, within the company of giving a piece of our profits. And even though you know he was a strong believer, you know, we just never got there. It, it just wasn't. You know, the company never actually got to profitability for a whole bunch of reasons. But in my current firm. You know, we made the decision at the very beginning that part of our business model was that we would give back 10% of our profits to the charity of choice of our clients. And it's so funny because so many times they'll say, oh, you know what, I, you know, if, if you're just going to give that to, to a charity, why don't you just give it to me? And I'll say, well, because then it's not consistent with who I am because this, this really is a, about – you know, living out what we want to do. And and we have a, a product where uh, people actually book travel with, with our product, and we've got a, a brand called Traveling to Give. And a couple of years ago when, when that whole thing about the ice bucket challenge was all the rage, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I thought, well, what if people, you know, could travel to places Right. And, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at your I like nursing, I like scars and I'm thinking I like Akron, I like Houston, I like, uh, you know, Santiago. And I thought, how much fun would it be for people to travel to give as a part of that? And then we give back uh, instead of our normal 10 percent. What if we flipped it and gave back 90 percent to charity out of that? Right. Wow. And and saw what that would do. I mean, I. I, I'm. I, this is just, you know, again, my little nudge is coming to me right now that I, I need to do a different model with that than we are with our corporate products. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I just, I love, I'd love to hear a couple more of these stories. I know we're we're getting to the end of our time together, but you've got a couple that you call out as, and you call them tactics, right? Tactics about being generous and giving. And uh, there are a couple, um, I like scars is one that you wouldn't normally think about someone, you know, looking at a scar and talking about liking that. So can you tell us Sarah's story? Oh, sure. I can tell you. Um, <clears throat> do you want to tell it? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to let you do it. Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, um, I certainly enjoy telling stories because I, I like to say that when we move from awareness to action, miracles happen. And so it's it's important that we get the, the parked car rolling. You know, you can't steer a parked car. But the Sarah and the I Like Story, uh, I Like Scars story, is uh it's it's a tearjerker. Um Sarah's at the at the uh special of the uh I, I forget exactly how you call it. Um so forgive me for that. I, I it's the um there's a special Olympics for people who have had um uh, donated organs. Oh okay? interesting. And uh what happens is is that she had a liver transplant, and so when the shirts come off of a bunch of people, they would have a symbol 
that looks like a peace sign from the scar from the surgery. And there was an older, older, uh, like a teenage, teenage 20 something girl there. And then there's this younger girl, Sarah. And this whole idea that, you know, she's never wanted to show anybody her scar. And yet when other people were taking off their shirts or putting on their bathing suits, she could see these scars. And one, one girl came up to her and said, Hey, let me see your scar. And she ran away and a little while later. Hey, let me see your scar. And eventually she took the courage to show it. And when she showed it, the girl said, wow, that's beautiful. You have a purpose. You're on this earth. I think that's really cool. And she spoke life into the insecurity of this young girl. And we all know that battlefield of the mind, we know how these thoughts can just plague us and tell us we're no good and no one likes us because of a defect. And this girl didn't give any money. She didn't share any of her stuff, but she gave the gift of words. And she spoke life into this girl. Mm. And that girl felt free. It got into the light. She opened, you know, and so that story just encourages me to think about you may have been through a situation in your life that was difficult and you say, why me? Why did this happen? But perhaps you'll be used to be empathetic to someone, to to be right. able to understand someone else, to be able to speak into their life and set them free from listening to a lie. Right, right. You know, uh, I sometimes I'm criticized for how open I am because particularly on the show, uh, I share a lot of things um, about my life. But it occurs to me now, I mean, I'm looking uh, again at your website and thinking, man, I need to do, I like bankruptcy and I like business failure, Right. And and all of those things right. that are taboo to talk about, but that have been transformative for me and my family, uh, just in in getting on the other side of them and realizing, you know, I mean, I always think about the Scarlet Letter or the book, um, and you know, I've wanted to write a book called The Scarlet Bee because you know people think that bankruptcy is is the end of the world, and you know, and and we do live on the other side of it if if we're forced to go through those kinds of things. And you know, I think there's just so much power in in what you're doing. Um and and you you end the book by talking about a generous world and and what that world looks like. Can can you share a little bit about your vision for how how the world can actually change and this transformative power of generosity uh what that would do? Well, sure. I, I just feel like, you know, we're, we're in America, right? I'm in California, you're in Florida, but we're looking at there's 320 million Americans and this idea that what if a part, what if all of us started to daily, weekly, monthly look for ways to be a gift to other people? And that might include money, but it might go way beyond that. What if our children could begin to think in terms of others a little more than themselves. That, to me, would really begin to change a lot of the issues in our world. It'd make good people better. It would really change the heart of so many people. And I you know, just think of um, the reality that I can give 
someone the benefit of the doubt, can I? Absolutely. That's, that, that, that's a way of being generous. You know, you get into a parking ramp, you get into these situations where we get impatient. I catch myself all the time. What are you doing? You're trying to hurry up to pick up two minutes and in the meantime get growl at someone? That doesn't work. So what if we just looked what if we just what if I just gave through this call today a gift of perspective? And the perspective shift was that we get to give we don't got to give. Right. And that I'm inviting you into something, to the life that's truly life. Uh, that's that, that's all. I mean, what do I benefit from telling any of the stories I did today? I like giving doesn't publicly ask for money. Um, you know, we just don't. So why would I benefit that? Because I want to get something to you. I want to get joy to you. I want to get, I want you to be inspired. I want you to uh, live life to the fullest. And I want you to make other people's day because you will when you live to give. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brad, it has been absolutely terrific. And, and as you said before we got on the air, you know, if, if what we accomplished today is just inspiring people just to try it, right, just to try being generous in what you do and then tell others about that and help generosity spread, and, uh, you know, then, then our world can change. So, Brett, can you tell folks the best way to get in touch with you if they'd like to have you speak uh, at their organization or their company? Yeah, that's right. So, um, and I would love to speak in your, organi- your company, your churches. Uh, you know, we do that a lot. Uh, Brad at ilikegiving.com. We'd love to help bring the culture of generosity into your church or business, brad at ilikegiving.com, and uh, the book's available on Amazon, I Like Giving, and there's also a four-week study guide that goes with it, which is just an absolute blast. We help people talk about the thing that they don't often talk about, generosity, and there's just rave reviews about people being able to enjoy hearing other people's giving stories. I certainly right. don't have a monopoly on all of them. It's been a pleasure to be with you today, and uh, I do hope we can stay in touch. I love uh, I love the spirit about the way you're approaching things, and, and I'm honored to be on your show today. Well, thank you so much, Brad, and I hope you have a really fabulous weekend. And uh, I'm going to spend some time on your website because, I, as I said, I just opened it up right before the show, and I found myself wishing I had started that at about 7 o'clock this morning when I poured my first uh-huh. cup of coffee because, uh, you know, today is a great day to start being inspired. You know, it, it's definitely the season for giving, and, and the kind of giving that you talk about in this book is, is really – life-changing it's generational changing you know it's community changing and uh, i'm just so glad that you shared your heart with us today thank you thank you ma'am all right take care brad thank you so much and for those who'd like to know more about the executive girlfriends group please look at www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com and we have a uh, both a public Facebook uh, group where we share information about our upcoming shows. And then for our members, we have a private Facebook group. So we would love to have you come join us. And thank you so much for joining us today.